We welcome you into the Dog Bowl in Berea, Ohio. It is episode seven of the best podcast available. I'm Jason Gibbs. He's Andrew Gribble. We have got a loaded show for you today as we continue to count down to the 2019 NFL Draft. It is the last week in March, April next week, and four weeks away from the NFL Draft. And some things happening, Gribbs, but not a lot of buzz. You know, there there, there was a little bit earlier in the week uh, at the owners' meetings, disputed by one John Dorsey, in terms of how many guys have first-round grades. And our general manager disputed that. uh, But other than that, not a lot of buzz here in this final week of March. No, and it's it's the the byproduct of most people assuming the first-round pick is going to be Kyler Murray. The next 20 picks are going to be mostly defensive players. And there's not a ton of quarterbacks or anything like that that people are going to trade up for or make some crazy moves and things like that. So it's going to – I mean, it'll it'll build up when the draft gets here. We're less than a month away. Uh, you know, I think people love the draft, and they'll love it again this year. So I think it'll build up when we get there. It just so happens that the, the biggest audience for the draft doesn't have a first-round pick as of now. And I think that that's been kind of the, the talking point among Browns fans. Anytime I write about the draft, it's people asking me, what is it going to take – to get into the first round if the Browns want to get into the first round. I'm of the opinion that I don't know if the Browns want to get in the first round. And I'll go back all the way to the combine when we were talking about this, when the Browns still did have their draft pick and us kind of discussing the notion that it wouldn't surprise us if they traded back in the first round to get a couple second round picks, maybe get two third round picks. Uh, So, I think that's where the value is in this draft. John Dorsey indicated that at the combine when he said he liked the depth of the second and third rounds. So I think the Browns are where they are. Now, I don't don't necessarily agree with the initial report that Dorsey thought there was only 15 first-round players. I think they would have been happy to get someone at that number 17 spot. They would have believed that they were a first-rounder because odds are, even if they only thought there was 15 first-rounders, Odds are a couple of the guys that they didn't think were first-rounders would have been drafted ahead of that. Because of the AKA the quarterbacks. Right. So I I think people are overinflating that a little bit, but I also do think you have to follow the breadcrumbs a little bit when you're wondering if this team is going to trade back into the first round. Where at this point, I'll never rule anything out with John Dorsey. I've learned my lesson on that with my <laughs> skepticism of the, of the, the rumors uh, regarding the Odell Beckham trade. But I just, I just don't know if I see it happening. I, I, like I said yesterday, uh, on Wednesday on CBD, I'm more of the opinion the Browns are going to make trades to get future picks. If you're thinking that they're not going to pick eight players, I would think you use those pick to get, picks to get future picks as opposed to moving into the first round. It really would start to appear that way. Like you said, you never count out John Dorsey, especially that late first round. You know, between picks 25 and 32, is there someone there that they just have to go up and get? Yeah, and I I think I I went over this in my mailbag, and I pulled it up just because I think people wonder what it would take to get back into the first round. So if we want to play those hypothetical games, each year there's been a team that's moved up to the late late first round. So that's kind of what you use as your, like, starting point is what what did it take these other teams to move into into the first round? And that, of course, does not include potential players you'd be willing to trade. I know there's been a couple Browns linked uh, as potential trade options, but we're doing this as an exercise that excludes players because it's it's just not common to see players drafted on draft day. So last year, the Ravens got back into the first round 
and, and got the 32nd pick. Now, at that point, it was the Eagles. I think the Eagles were looking to get out of the first round. They didn't necessarily want that. So the, the, the Ravens gave up a future second-round pick. So they gave up their 2019 second-round pick and swapped spots with the Eagles in the fourth round, a difference of seven picks. That's all it took to, to get back into the first round. That was pick number 32. 2017, your Cleveland Browns, they traded back into the first round to get David Njoku with the 29th pick. To do so, they gave up number 33, which is a pretty valuable pick, and then a fourth rounder. So that, that actually took a little bit a lot. And then 2016, John Dorsey, he traded out of the first round uh, to, to then ultimately take Chris Jones. He traded the 28th pick and a seventh rounder for San Francisco's second rounder, which fell at 37, and then a fourth rounder and a sixth rounder. So it's a pack. It, it all depends on the place and the packaging. I think at minimum you're giving up your second round pick if you're going into the first round. Obviously, then you have to give up something else. You might have to give up your, I would say, your fourth rounder. Not one of the three fifths. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to take. That, that's that's going to be, be enough. enough. Yeah, so I think that it'd probably be. You'd want it to be your fourth rounder. It honestly might have to be your third rounder along with your second rounder. Well, and it's also a situation where those teams that we're talking about between, I'll even say between 20 and 32, some, some of them might not want the guaranteed money that has to go to a first-round pick to pay them, and right. that's why people are shopping them more than maybe normal. Yeah, and it's interesting because if you look at these old-school draft charts too, there's different vari- valuations on, on picks. If you go by the old-school Jimmy Johnson draft value chart, it would take the second-round pick and the third rounder just to get in the bottom couple picks. But if you look at the more modern charts out there, uh, it would take you could get as high as the twenty second pick by parting with the fourth by parting with the second rounder and fourth rounder. So it's it's somewhere it's going to be somewhere in between that because I think that last one's a little bit too extreme. I don't think you're getting to number twenty two with a second round pick and a fourth round pick. Yeah, I just uh, that that's not going to be enough. That's disappointing. Yeah, I mean, it's, so but it's it's it's, I, it's also. Our number one pick was Odell Beckham. Yeah, so <laughs> I can I mean, love it that. W- yeah, when you when you put it in those terms, it's a lot easier to to manage, and I'm okay with having a nice, quiet Thursday night broadcast on the. Yeah, NFL I just Rash think show. that this is a new reality for Browns fans. This hasn't happened in 11 years. Yeah, it just might so happen you're not going to have a first round pick. It's all right. If you end up with picks in the second and third round, Friday night's going to become a big night. And it's crazy if you think about it this way. Only since 2014 have you had one year where you just had one first-round pick, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's even more crazy to think about. Wow, I didn't even... Because 2015, you had two. Yep. Well, 2014, you had two. 2015, you had two. two. 2016, just one, Corey Coleman. And then 2017, you had three. And 2018, you had two. Wow. Yeah. So this is a. I, I understand. I, didn't even think about I understand why people keep asking me, like, what's it going to take to get in the first round? It just might not happen, and that's fine. Because yeah. you got Odell back. Well, yesterday on CBD, you know, the uh, the South Dakota Browns backers are trying to figure out if they should have a party. Yes, go have a party, but maybe the priority and the emphasis needs to be on the Friday night for the big biggest party. Yeah. I mean, odds are, the odds are favorable. You're going to be making a pick on Friday night, multiple picks at that. Yeah. So I. It wouldn't surprise me to see Dorsey trade up into the one of those rounds. I think that's a possibility. Late in the third, maybe get, get back the third round pick you parted with uh, with the Giants. Maybe that's a possibility, but I, I don't know. I just I I'm I'm very skeptical that the Browns are going to be back in the first round. 
and I'm okay with that. Yeah. We all should be okay with that. Yeah. Odell Beckham. <laughs> Just our, keep saying it's yourself over It's and no over longer again. our Super Bowl. We're actually trying to contend for the real Super Bowl. Right. And I'd rather do that any day of the week. I said it's, it's – it's, I would have loved to have the draft in Cleveland, but it's it's a it's a fortunate thing that maybe it's not in Cleveland this year. Yeah, no question about it. All right, coming up on the best podcast available today, Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports will join us. He's got a new three-round mock draft out. Also, he is counting down the top 100 players for Yahoo Sports uh, coming into this draft. So some good knowledge and some good information on a number of the players that I think will be on the board when the Browns do draft on Friday night and even on Saturday uh, possibly as well. We'll also hear from Nick Shook. We will play a little game called Would You Rather. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, the only other big, big thing outside of Pro Day is going on, Mel Kuyper's big board, and it's out the top 25 prospects. Not a whole lot different than I think we would have expected, uh, except Williams, the defensive tackle from Alabama at number two. Yeah, I thought considering he's kind of fallen in a lot of mock drafts, uh, now being you know labeled as you know the number two prospect in this draft. I mean, I think Devin White at four is also pretty big as well. I mean, that also shows this linebacker class largely stinks. But two of the top, the two linebackers that are really good are in Kuiper's top ten in terms of overall prospects. So those guys could be off the board early. Uh, the one name that stood out to me in this top twenty-five that maybe has a chance to get to the Browns is Jonathan Abram, the Mississippi State safety. Fits the needs that you're looking for in replacing Drew Bill Peppers if you're looking for a, a surefire, ready-made replacement. I, he's not going to get to 49. Maybe he's someone you can trade up in the second round to get. Don't think you'd trade up in the first round to get a safety. I just don't see that happening. But that's the one name that could maybe fall to you because he's a safety uh, as a top 25 overall pick that gets down to a range where it is realistic for you. Well, and then the other guy, we talk about him every week, and we know that the Browns met with him this week at his pro day. We know that he benched and had 28 reps at his bench in his pro day, despite the torn ACL. Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi State, the defensive tackle, still on the Browns' radar, and I know we'll get into it with Eric Edholm, but one of those things where if he falls, and maybe he's even in the early you know, second round, is that a guy the Browns go up and get? Can you live with the fact that your top player on the field production-wise from your rookie class is going to be a third-round player in that case? Yeah, I think he can. If it if it's if he gets to forty-nine, you certainly can. I think that's where this guy, if you took the ACL out of it, was a guaranteed first-rounder, top ten. And, as if, you, Eric and, if, and if you and you you can't do this because every it's every it's part of the package. If you look at him just as a player and don't look at the knee injury or the, the off-field concerns from high school, this guy's potentially a top-five pick. I mean, that's where it becomes you start looking at the risk-reward at number 49. I mean, if he falls to 49, which I don't think he will, I, I think that that's something you definitely have to consider. I just – You have other places where you can get depth on this roster. Yeah. Other, av <laughs> other avenues where you can add guys. You don't need – this team is not going to – Make, the, make or break their Super Bowl chances because of a second-round pick. I just, I, it, that person can certainly help, but that, the one player is not going to make or break you this year. So I, I think it, it'd be worth worth the risk at 49. I just don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I, I, we've seen some mocks that have him going mid-second round, which are putting him right in the Browns' wheelhouse. But, 
it's I think you're asking an awful lot, and maybe it's just wishful thinking more than anything else. I mean, uh, was it Jalen Smith had a much more serious injury, and I don't think he fell that far. No, he did not go that far. Yeah, I mean, so. And ACLs you can come back from now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot easier to come back from ACLs. Now. I mean, people were doubting Jalen Smith's career prospects with that injury, and he still went in the second round, early yeah. in the second round. So I, I just – We'll we'll see as it plays out, but forty nine might be a little late. I'd feel a little bit better if you were higher up in the second round, but forty nine's right in the middle of it. All right, so those are some of the headlines in uh, this week on the best podcast available. The final week in March of two thousand nineteen. Nick Shook is coming up in just a little bit. We'll play uh, Would You Rather. Right now, though, we had a chance to sit down with Yahoo Sports Eric Edholm, uh, a great writer. Guy that's plugged into the NFL, has a lot of insight on a lot of different things. Currently, his expertise uh, lending to Yahoo is covering the draft, and he's got his top 100 prospect list. Also a guy that, uh, you know, has uh, has some mock draft experience as well, and he's got a brand-new three-round mock draft out today that we got to preview with him. First and foremost, your big takeaways with Eric at home before we get to that interview. I, I think uh, our discussion about Jeffrey Simmons was the most eye-opening. I mean, that's the one where he has him very close to the Cleveland Browns, and then we we start discussing what what it might take for him to get get to the Cleveland Browns. So I think it's it's interesting, but he falls in line with understanding that odds are Browns are going to go defense heavy with those first few picks. All right, let's get to it. Here's our interview with Eric at home. Have a listen. Eric, appreciate the time, and right now, your your big project, the Yahoo Sports Top 2019 NFL Draft Prospects, and you've done uh, the top 71 players, I believe, and now it's a countdown all the way to draft day and the top player on your top 100 list. Talk about what's gone into that and what kind of trends maybe that you've seen in putting this thing together. Yeah, guys, thank you uh, for having me. Well, a lot of secrecy. No one can find out who my top uh, 10 are until a draw. No, I'm kidding. I don't think anyone is, is that invested in my personal decisions here. But, yeah, no, it's, it's fun because, you know, I probably started with a list of about 150 or 60 guys, you know, and, and you know, it comes from people around the league, my own observations, you know, other talented draft writers out there who I get, you know, names from and things like that. So, you you kind of pared down the list and, and I, there were a few names that looking back, maybe I should have found a way to squeeze into my top hundred, but yeah, down to number 28 today and, and 27 the day after. And it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see if looking back, I'm somewhat close to, to what we got here, but I just try to take, you know, I mean, a player could be 14th on one team's board and 58th on another team's board. It's, there's no consensus. So you try your best to come up with a league value and add my own personal, you know, observations and that sort of thing. Yeah, Eric, there was a report out earlier this week that the Browns believed that there were maybe only 15 true first rounders in this draft. And yeah. John Dorsey since kind of disputed that at, at owners meetings. I'm just wondering from your perspective, do you see maybe a disparity between the amount of picks in the first round and the amount of players you see as, as potentially first round players? Yeah, when I started kind of, you know, diving deep into the draft, and I mean, I've been doing this a little while, but I would say it was probably about 10 or 12 years ago when I started really kind of seriously following the draft and, you know, building up my contacts list and things like that. And one of the things that surprised me years ago was how few first-round grades teams tend to hand out, meaning 
you know, when they go through their grades, they have a number value that equates to, okay, this guy is a first-round pick, a 6.0 grade or higher. Some teams use different systems. But, you know, I remember one year, and I'm trying to remember what year it would have been, 2013 maybe, whatever the, the Eric Fisher, Lane Johnson draft was. and Or, no, not Lane Johnson. But yeah, whatever that draft was where they went tackles at the top of the draft. You know, it, it turned out that a lot of teams that particular year – some of them had like 13 or 14 first-round grades. Um, and, it, and it was just sort of eye-opening to me. Well, what, you don't have 32 first-round grades? Well, no. I mean, you have to grade the player, not the draft, you know, not, the, not the, how many picks there are. And you try to figure out where the strength of the draft is. And I think even if John Dorsey disputed that report, I think there's probably some truth to the concept that it's not an exceptionally top-heavy draft. You know, this is not like last year where we had a bunch of quarterbacks and so a lot of first-round talents were going to get kind of pushed down to the 20s and that sort of thing. I think if you polled, you know, a dozen teams, you might find out that most clubs have somewhere between, I don't know, 15 and 23 first-round grades on their, on their board. And those boards are going to get crystallized here in the next week or 10 days. Really, it's, you know, kind of the early April period that that gets done after the owner's meeting so you know even if he said that that particular report wasn't true it wouldn't shock me if if we found out that the browns had somewhere around you know 15 16 17 first round picks and thought you know the value was just too good not to make that deal as you take a look at the draft eric as a whole and we talk about first round picks and first round grades obviously here in cleveland it's the draft has been our Super Bowl for the last, <laughs> you know, 10 years. And since 2008, uh, we haven't uh, had, you know, we've had a first-round pick. We've had a top-10 pick usually. So this is uncharted territory for us as we look toward the end of April in the 2019 NFL Draft. What do you see in putting together this list of guys, or not necessarily guys, but I think positions, that are the strongest in this in this draft. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what you guys are going to do. You're going to kick back and have a beer on Thursday night. I mean, just sit back and like, all right, what do we do with ourselves here? This is this is uncharted territory for you, but we've still got to yeah, be here. Think, you never know what Dorsey. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you got to work. You got to wait for that trade that might come down, right? Anything like that, and, and reset your boards. But uh, it is really interesting when you kind of take that thirty thousand foot view of this draft because. It's not as strong a quarterback draft as what we saw last year. Maybe there's a guy in round five, six, seven who ends up being pretty good, but overall, not nearly as as loaded up top as what we saw a year ago. Still, a couple interesting guys. Um, running back is kind of a weird group. I don't know that there's there's not any Saquon Barkley in this group. There may be some decent runners down low. I think the real strength offensively is wide receiver depth. Tight end might be one of the better classes we've seen in, in you know, close to a decade, seven or eight years at the, at the very minimum. Um, offensive line is pretty good. I think the tackles are, are once you get past the top four or five, it, it drops off, but the interior depth is good. So I would say tight end receiver offensive line, pretty strong. Defensively, pretty good in rounds one, two, and maybe three up front, and I know it's an area that, you know, the Browns would like to add depth. So D-line looks pretty strong and and tackle, a lot of versatile and and different-looking tackles. Linebacker feels pretty thin to me. Uh, Just 
injury-prone guys, you know, I don't know. It's not my favorite position in this year's class. I've unearthed a couple of guys that I feel pretty good about in the later or in the mid-rounds. But secondary, I think safety is maybe a little stronger than corner if I had to, if I had to sort of pin it down a little. But, yeah, it's a weird year in that certain positions feel really strong and other ones feel kind of bare to me. The, the position that everyone here is, is focused on, just because there's an obvious opening there with the departure of Jabril Peppers, is, is safety yeah. and, and particularly box safety. Is there anyone that maybe fits that mold that would make sense at 49 for you? Yeah, it's it's a little too late, I think, for somebody like Taylor Rapp from uh, from Washington. He's one of my favorite players to watch, and he's a he fits exactly that mold you're talking about. Keep an eye on Jonathan Abram from uh, from Mississippi State. He, he's a really interesting guy and a fun player. Uh, you know, went to junior college, highly recruited, came out to, you know, Mississippi State got him. It was a big deal. All he did in two years there was start every game, kind of take over a leadership role on that club, win over opponents, teammates, coaches alike. I don't know if he'll get all the way to 49, but he might. Um, I think I had him going maybe a couple picks prior. I had to look, but yeah, I mean, just no. He had an injury that that kind of kept him out and wasn't allowed to participate in the Senior Bowl. But he spent the entire week there, sitting in meetings on the practice field, talking to his teammates, helping work him through stuff, and you know, doing interviews with other clubs. Basically, he has just won people over with his intangibles. He's a hitter, and. Sometimes that hitting ability will go past the line a little. He'll get flagged for some, for some penalties. But there's just something about him that I think is really special. And I think he'll be, you know, he's not Rodney Harrison, but he's that type of player where he plays with instincts, you know, ferocity and intelligence. And he's going to make it work in this league, I think. Talking with Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports. He's currently putting together the Yahoo Sports Top 2019 NFL Draft Prospects on Yahoo.com. Uh, we are on number 28. Uh, and only a few uh, few more weeks until we get to the 2019 NFL Draft. And they'll do uh, Yahoo. will do one per day, if I'm correct. If, if You guys have timed this out. So the number one, uh, number one guy on your board, on your top 100, will debut on the morning of the draft or the day before? I, I think so. Or maybe Wednesday, maybe the day before. I can't. That's I'd what I was. To, I'd have to go. Yeah, it's real close to, to, to draft week for sure. I, I did not do the math, and I did not go to college for <laughs> math. So uh, I apologize for that. As you take a look overall in putting together your top 100 players, is there a player on there that in doing your research, or players, I should say, that you're kind of excited to see where they end up going in this draft that maybe aren't you know your top 10? Yeah. Yeah, no, there's definitely a handful. In fact, one guy who I, I ended up, you know, on that, uh, you know, as I was explaining to you guys before the show, I, I kind of mocked out the, the first three rounds because I wanted, to, I wanted to give love to the Cleveland Browns and the New Orleans Saints and Dallas Cowboys and Chicago Bears fans of the world because, you know, I'm sure they're looking at a lot of mock drafts and hanging their head when they don't see their team on there. It's one round or something like that. So I went through and did the first three rounds. And a guy who I really kind of – fell for during the process a little bit is Colin Saunders from Illinois, from uh, Western Illinois, excuse me. And, and he's this really in, intriguing guy, he's six foot, 320 pounds. You don't sort of see those short stocky guys, but you watch him move and he's got these light feet. And then you find out that they used him a little bit at tight end and they used him a little bit at running back, not often, but 
you know, and they line them up at nose tackle at a at a three technique out at a defensive end stand up spot, and you think. How many six foot, three hundred twenty pound guys can do that? And then you go on YouTube and you see the guy doing backflips and roundoffs and all these crazy maneuvers, and you say, "Wait, who is this dude?" You know, down at the Senior Bowl, he had a magnetic personality. He was talking about, uh, you know, the, the birth of his daughter in a couple of days at that point, and all he was doing was going out there and wrecking people. And I don't care if it said, you know, Western Illinois or or, or Notre Dame on his jersey. This guy's a player. I, I don't think he'll go top 50 but i think somewhere between 50 and 100 he's going to go to a team and again i mocked him to the browns i think in in, uh you know the middle round three he's just going to make an excellent addition i don't think you'll want him out there for 70 snaps a game i don't know that he's ever going to be a 10 sack guy or anything like that but he's got excitement in his game he's got athleticism he's just an interesting guy he and jalen hurd are kind of two players you know heard was a running back at Tennessee and then he went to Baylor and became a receiver he's a sort of king size slot receiver I have no idea where they're going to go you know you talk to teams and their their numbers are kind of all over the board there's a lot of projecting going on but those are two kind of totally different and very fascinating players that that I'll just be excited to see where they end up landing now I noticed at 48 you've got a guy that's been on the Browns fans radars a lot and that's Jeffrey Simmons who had the issues uh, in high school, then is, is coming off the torn ACL. But but John Dorsey's talked very highly of him from a character standpoint. Yep. Do you do you do you do you, do you see him getting that far in and in, in just talking to to your sources and everything like that? Or and could you see the Browns maybe making a move for him if he starts falling that far? I had immediate regret when I when he landed forty eighth. It was all you know, and <laughs> it's like, well, wait a minute, you did the mock draft. How can you? Have regret? <laughs> but. You know, when you go through and do these things one pick at a time, it's hard not to fall into a little bit of a trap of like, well, they need this. They need that. They didn't get this with their first pick. They're going to get so-and-so with their second pick. And you start forgetting about the big picture, which is, in my mind, Simmons is a top 10 talent in this draft. You know, he'll end up in my top 10 overall picks. And I'm just – I'm not looking at the fact that he's got a torn ACL and then he's, you know – I mean, look at Hunter Henry with the Chargers. He came back for the playoff game. You never know. I mean, he might be able to, to contribute in some way late in the season this year, you know, if you're willing to hold a roster spot for him, put him on pop, all that. Forgetting all that, and there's certainly some questions about the background, the 2016 video of him, um, you know, involved with, a, with hitting a woman. He's since apologized. I can tell you this much. I don't think NFL scouts who have been who have had their boots on the ground in in you know on campus talking to the coaches, talking to the strength people, talking to the tutors and anybody else who may give them information. I've not gathered one piece that says he's a bad kid. Did he make a bad mistake a couple of years ago? Yes. And he's since apologized and atoned for it. And on top of that, he's a disruptive interior rusher who to me looks like kind of a poor man's Fletcher Cox. He's re- really really good. So maybe not even a poor man's. I mean, I think he's he's got that kind of potential. So, you know, if you believe that the health checks out and he should be good, ACLs aren't that big a deal these days. You know, the timeline shrunk on those. And you believe you vetted his character out enough and checked all the boxes on that, you could get something really special. And I suspect that his name will start coming up in discussions late in round one, early in round two. So for me, having him 48 – you know, it's sort of admitting that I couldn't 
I just couldn't find the right team to take that kind of risk on him and just say, all right, we're basically not getting a year one out of this guy, but in year two, he could be great. Talking with Eric at home from Yahoo Sports. Uh, you can check out his top 100 NFL draft prospects on yahoo.com, currently counting down the top 30 day by day leading up to the draft and also debuting uh, on Thursday morning a three-round mock draft. And you mentioned your third-round selection to the Browns, Eric, but your second-rounder, you've got defensive back Lonnie Johnson out of Kentucky going to Cleveland. What uh, what do you see in him, and what, what kind of a breakdown can you give us of Lonnie Johnson? Yeah, truthfully, he's not my favorite player. I mean, I, I, I like his skill set. It was very talented uh, uh, Kentucky secondary. I think there's really – four guys in that group that could end up in the NFL and he's one of them and he's probably got the highest ceiling of all of them. He's kind of your classic, you know, sort of long arms. He's got these 33 inch arms, six foot two, well-built 210, 15 pounds, something like that, you know, tested pretty darn well uh, athletically at the combine as well. Good, you know, good short area movement for somebody who's as big as he is, but you know, the physical traits are very alluring, and he's got the feet and everything else to, to be an NFL corner. Some of these bigger corners, though, they don't transition all that well. You know, their hips are a little bit tight. You know, they just sort of look a little more clunky, even if they test well. On the football field, it doesn't always translate. He's a bit of a fascinating project is the way I would describe him, and you know, at that point in the draft, you're, you're getting flawed players. You're getting players who are a little bit of a projection, who are, who are not going to be instant coffee in the NFL. So I just try to think of what they might look for in a corner. And when you've got Denzel Ward doing his thing on one side, you're probably not going to, I don't know, maybe not, but you're, you're maybe looking for a little bit more size on the other side. And you can kind of play matchups a little bit. Who's Denzel covering this week? Who's, you know, the other guy going? If you have somebody like Johnson, in a division with, you know, A.J. Green and Juju Smith-Schuster guys who are physical at the point of attack, who can go up and high point the ball, it makes sense in my mind, you know, even if you need a corner, I mean, even if you need a safety as well, that you'd want somebody who can kind of at least give those, those physical specimens at wide receiver a little bit of a challenge. That's sort of where I came up with that pick. Who's a player, when when you're going through these evaluations and reports, who, who's the player you feel like you're on an island with, with how much you like them? And maybe reverse that. How Who's a player that you are not a fan of that you see getting mocked so much higher than, than you Good see? question. Yeah, that's a great one. I'm not as in love with DK Metcalf as everybody else. I mean, he's a, I still have him in my top 20. I don't want to make it seem like I've got a fourth-round grade on the guy. Um, you know, he just – like, the way he wins, and people there obviously watch Josh Gordon win in the same kinds of ways, you know, fades, slants, drag routes, curls. I mean, real simple routes where he can exert his physical will over defensive backs. And there'll be some games where he's unstoppable. But there, there's just a limitation to what he can do, I think, at least right away in the NFL. So I'm, I'm not in the camp that believes he should be a top-ten pick. I think there, he's, he's a little bit too one or two dimensional in his game to, to fit that high until he learns a little bit of subtlety and that sort of thing. And, and I don't know that his lateral quickness is ever going to be great. So you can game plan against him a little bit, but so he, he might be one again, I still like him, but I'm trying to think of somebody that, that maybe I mentioned Jalen Hurd a while back. I, I, you know, I look around sometimes and people I respect in this league and, 
you know, cover the, the draft for a living. And I don't see them with Hurd in their top 100. And Hurd and another guy, an Ole Miss tight end named Dawson Knox, who wasn't really used that much in college, you know, both of them have such rare physical gifts. I mean, the same kind of things we were talking about with Metcalf, but we're talking about a player who's probably projected to like the third round, maybe late, late second, early fourth, somewhere in that range, where if you give them the right coaching and the right development and you're not expecting – you know, bonanza production in year one, and you can find that right role for him. Both Hurd, who's only played receiver for, you know, one year in practice, one year at Baylor, or one year on the field at Baylor, and Knox, who was kind of an afterthought with all the weapons they had there, you know, Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Demarcus Lodge, good running backs, et cetera. You know, the skill sets suggest that they could be really interesting and that you could be getting – better value uh, for what they'll be two, three years around than, than what you spent the draft pick on. So those are a couple names of guys that I'm a little higher on than other people. Eric, before we let you go, we appreciate the time today and the great insight uh, on the 2019 NFL draft. I know you cover the NFL in general and, and sure. you're very invested in it. What was the first thing you thought when you found out Odell Beckham was coming to Cleveland? I mean, obviously, I, I have some friends in the LSU program, so just sort of knowing, you know, their history and going back there and Adam Henry being there and coaching as well, I mean, just it made me think this could really be special. This could really be a, a pairing that works. And, you know, as long as Odell is on board, and I have no reason to think he isn't, you're getting pushed daily by your guy and Jarvis Landry in practice. You're being coached by a guy who's, who's had some history with you. Um, you know, you have an offensive coach in, in Todd Monken and Freddie uh, Kitchens who have a lot of innovative ideas but aren't going to get too cute. They're going to understand that these guys can win one-on-one battles with, you know, maybe the best young quarterback prospect not named Patrick Mahomes. I mean, how do you not get excited about that? How do you not think this could truly be special? And, and maybe the Browns are playing the Patriots Sunday night in Foxborough in the opening weekend. What a marquee stage that would be for his debut. And, I don't know. It's just you start putting it all together and you think as long as the blocking holds up, as long as they don't get, you know, start reading their press clippings too much, this could be truly, uh, truly amazing to watch. Eric, we appreciate the time, and we definitely look forward to reading more from you on Yahoo Sports. Uh, his three-round mock draft is out today. And in addition, you can check out daily leading up to the draft, his countdown from prospect number 30 to prospect number one. He's already done the other 70 prospects uh, in his top 100 draft. Be sure to log on to yahoosports.com to check that out. Eric, appreciate the time and continued success, my friend. I had a blast. Thank you guys for having me on. Thanks to Eric Edholm for his time. Great interview, great insight into the 2019 NFL Draft, especially from a second and third round perspective. We now welcome in another celebrity uh, to the best podcast available. We'll call you a celebrity. Why not, man? Come on. You've been here now for like a month. Nick Shook joins us, Brown staff. He's like writer. a reoccurring character. Like, who is that kid in the Brady Bunch that came in every every now and again? You know, it's, you need you need some regular guests. Was it a cousin yes. or was it a neighbor? Yeah, it was like a cousin or something like that. I don't know. That, that show was a little before my time. I was going to say, that was – I have no idea. I remember just the main people. But I'll go with, like, Newman from Seinfeld. Yes. Yeah, like he was – Like a drop-in. A, re- a reoccurring – A dynamite drop-in. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 
I mean, that's not like the best. <laughs> no, yeah, but we, we but actually like it. you, though. Yeah. Like, that's the... <laughs> Hello, Shook. <laughs> All right, so we're going to play a little game. We're trying to do something fun every week. Last week we did uh, the positions that make the most sense for the Browns uh, at pick number 49. Today, just kind of a broad scope, and we're going to call it Would You Rather. So basically I'm going to give you two guys, and you tell me who you would rather have. Obviously, in terms of the Browns, not many of these are going to apply. But it's fun to say, who would you rather have? in the 2019 NFL draft if you were a respective general manager. So number one, would you rather have Nick Bosa or Josh Allen? Gribble, start with you. Uh, I'll take Nick Bosa. I think he's a more proven more proven commodity. I like the genes that he has in, in the NFL family, not only his brother but his father. I just think people are maybe sleeping on him a little bit just because he didn't play the second half of the season, but he's a legit player, has been that way ever since he got to Ohio State. I'll, I'll go with him as the safer pick. This is a weird draft because I think two of the top prospects in the whole class are from Ohio State and both have been overlooked in part because of, like you said, Bosa missed the second half of the season and Dwayne Haskins and everything that you know he did and how he's been overlooked. But I would also go with Bosa. Uh, you talk about great jeans. I also feel bad for him when it comes to shopping for jeans because he has massive quads and, and hamstrings. Like, his thighs are huge. And, and at the at the uh, combine, I mean, just watching him walk by, you know, because they're all in compressions and stuff like that. He's, he, he's a massive human being. He's got great technique. He looks a lot like – he plays a lot like his brother. He's effective without being – a, I think a physical specimen necessarily, or, or a freak of nature. You know, he's, he doesn't look like Javon Kurse or Julius Peppers, but he's just about as effective. Has, has there ever been a top five draft prospect with less less buzz than Josh Allen? Like, I just, it's like no one's even talking about. Is it because he went to Kentucky? I think <laughs> I, he's like, not a quarterback. Yeah, like, but, uh, and Kentucky's not exactly the hotbed for college football. And they had a really good season yeah. last year. I mean, that they, they was one of their best seasons in, in years, but it was. They're still relatively off the radar. It is amazing because he, if Nick Bosa wasn't in this draft, we would probably be talking about him as the top player in this draft. Yeah. No question. All right, number two, would you rather have Devin Bush or Devin White? Shuck, we'll start with you. Devin White. That's, that, that's a little bit easier of a pick. I think Devin White is the, the most complete linebacker. Uh, he's the best middle linebacker in this draft. I think he the gap between him and Bush is bigger than people realize, even though Bush is a very good player. Bush is a little undersized. He barely he's right around five eleven, six feet tall. Not super uncommon at that position, but I like White more as a prospect, and I think he'll end up being a higher pick as as a result, and uh, will be somebody's middle linebacker for years to come. Yeah, this is getting boring so far because we're agreeing. So I'm, I'm I, Devin White is he might be. There might be a difference of maybe about fifteen picks between these guys. If 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 the if you go by the extremes in some of these mock drafts where it's been as extreme as the Buccaneers taking him with the number five pick. I mean, he's he's legitimately very good and it arguably I mean, maybe Bosa is more of a safe pick, but probably the safest pick in the entire draft. Yeah. Two very, very good linebackers and one hell of a drop off. Yeah, the, after the fight yeah. the fight for Bush is gonna be interesting though, because the difference between Bush and like the next guy is massive. So that that's where it'll be interesting, like where he he could go earlier than we think, just because of the the depth of the position just isn't there this year. Right. That's like that seems actually like one of the best candidates for an overdraft it, within the first round this year. And, and as long as neither one of them go to an AFC North team that's not named the Browns, uh, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Because the both of them are that talented. I mean, they can go to the Bengals. Be all right. 
I don't mind it. I don't want to have to deal with that. <laughs> I don't want it like we've seen that play out. Preston Brown times. could use a little competition back there in that linebacking core. Yeah, well, they could use a lot of <laughs> they can use a lot of things. <laughs> All right, number three. Let's try to get this so you guys actually disagree on something. Uh, would you rather have Quinn and Williams or Ed Oliver? Gribble. So this is a tricky one. I, I, All right. Because I, I think because uh, I'm going to like equate value into this because I think it's going to take a top five pick to get Quinn and Williams. And I also think you can get better value out of Oliver with maybe like the 15th pick. I like talented guys. And I worry the I, my one concern with Quinton Williams is he didn't really do much of anything until this past season. Oliver, we've known for years, was a super talented guy. I would feel better having the 15th pick taking at Oliver than I would using a top five pick on Quinton Williams. I so feel, I'm going to go with Oliver. I feel like we've seen this guy before in a variety of different drafts. We saw this guy here about 16, 17 years ago. His name was Gerard Warren. And Camassier, baby. for as good as they are in college, I, I agree with the sample size. You know, if you haven't demonstrated it over multiple seasons, there's a little bit of a worry there. He's obviously, you know, considered one of the top defensive line prospects in this draft. But the good thing about it, Oliver, too, when you talk about value is you can move him to different spots because he's more of an athletic guy. You know, he played defensive tackle in college, but I also could see you deploying him as a as a pass rushing edge guy when you want to go with a leaner defensive line in those situations when you're not worried about the run, when it's third and long, stuff like that. You can move them around, and as a result, I'm again going to agree and go with that Oliver. Yeah, I think I think Quinn Williams is the better player, like, right now. I mean, he's the higher pick. It's just that But I, he's dropped a I little worry. bit, and I've I, seen Ed Oliver now in some mocks. Schrager, I, he, I think, had him in the top so 10 yesterday. He was so much better than Ed Oliver this past season. Like, it was, yeah. he was the best player on the field in Alabama LSU. Like, he was incredible. I just, even at Alabama, where guys have to wait their turn, I like to see it over multiple seasons as opposed to just one big season. Plus, we haven't, we've, we, you're not going to bat a 1,000 in anything, but we haven't batted a 1,000 in Alabama defensive linemen. We've come fairly close, but even the guys who were regarded pretty similarly in the last couple of years have produced different results, and they haven't really been all that close. So, there's some risk there. I thought I had you. Yeah, I thought I had it too when I picked Oliver. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. All right, let's go offensive lineman. Jonah Williams or Jawan Taylor? Shook. Who would you rather have? A lot of people love Jonah Williams. He was the talk of, I think, the combine for his versatility mainly. Um, You know, he he wants to play tackle. He played guard. Um, But I also am intrigued by Jawan Taylor. I think – it depends on what your need is. I think it's a case by case situation, and and also has a lot to do with you know how these guys perform in the NFL. It's a, it's all about fit. I mean, if you need an offensive tackle, I think Juwan Taylor is a guy who could play either side and could do the job pretty well. I don't. He's. I'm not a huge fan of draft and start guys. You know, you don't get a Joe Thomas every year where they, they come in and they're immediately effective and they're the number three pick in the draft. But I think this guy could be. Pretty pretty good. Although it's 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 hard to it's hard to battle against the uh, the buzz of of Jonah Williams. So I'm gonna go Taylor for the, in part for the sake of being different. Hopefully. Now I'll preface this by saying Nick knows like so much more about offensive line play than I do. So, <laughs> but I'm gonna go off 
my simple logic in that Jonah Williams was a starter as a true freshman in Alabama. We can talk about the swing and miss rate on Alabama guys, but if you can go in there and start as a true freshman, odds are you're really good. There aren't many guys that go in and do that. Yep. I think he's really good. I think people are over overthinking his short arms or whatever where he has a position. I think he's like the Mike McGlinchey of this year's draft where everyone was like worried about McGlinchey going into the draft and all of a sudden he gets drafted in the top 10. I think Jonah Williams is the best offensive lineman. Take give me him. I think he's the much safer pick. See, I I'm really curious about like with the McGlinchy comparison. I'm curious about how his career is going to evolve or develop as we move on because he was a top ten pick, and there were times where he was really good, but there was also times where he was very clearly a rookie, and that happens to a lot of guys. But it makes you wonder if some of the the physical worries or whatever are going to crop up in certain situations. There was a lot of times where he was really beaten around the edge, and he looked like he needed a year or two of seasoning. We'll see if that's the case with this guy, but that's it's a great point about him playing as a freshman because you're not going to play any higher competition in college football than you will when you're playing at Alabama. Yeah, like back when in 2012 when Alabama had like the best offensive line that college football's ever had, one of one arguably one of the best. I think so this is me countering myself. The only guy on that offensive line who started as a freshman, I believe, was Cyrus Quanjo because he was a freak. All those other guys had to work their way into the rotation. That was that was in the early stages of Alabama building their insane talent machine that they have there. So for him to go in and start as a true freshman at offensive line is rare there, and I think he's got his head on his shoulders a little bit better than Cyrus Quanja. So I'll, I'll take Jonah Williams. If I throw Cody Ford into the mix, does it change your no, – who would no, you rather have? No, it doesn't. I found it interesting that Shregs yesterday had him going 10th – or I'm sorry, 11th to Cincinnati. you got to shake things up. I, Every mock can't be the same. Correct. But I, I just – I think all three of these guys are projects. As you said, it's, you're not drafting a Joe Thomas. That There's guy's no not, automatic. That guy's here. not in this draft. Although it is a deeper position group, I think. I think tackles way better this year than it was last year. It, but, yeah, you're, that guy's not there. Who's the last Joe Thomas type in the draft? It's been a few years. Well, Eric Fisher went number one, but he never panned out like Joe Thomas. Uh, to think about somebody who was picked as high and as – Played as well. God, uh, Taylor Lewan just got a big contract. Say. Um, I'm thinking about top tackles. Like Brandon like, Scherf was like a tackle, right? But he played guard. Yeah, yeah. So it's like Ravens. Anybody there? Why do I feel no, they like have, that? They, they have drafted Ronnie the guy Stan- from Notre Dame. Ronnie, Notre Dame. Dave Ronnie Stanley. That's it. And then they drafted Orlando Brown last year. But it's so early. I think if we go back, there's somebody else in that group that you were just talking about that. Like Lane Johnson, but he plays went to right, tackle, right tackle. He's an excellent right tackle. Uh, who who is the left? Uh, Trent Williams in Washington, but I don't. He wasn't regarded as highly. A lot of the top tackles right now were not considered as such. I think Lawan might be the highest drafted one. Yeah. Obviously, we can go back and double check this later, but I think Lawan might have been the highest drafted one who's actually panned out. And he comes with his own little spicy flavor. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah. Just a little bit. All right. Here's an interesting one that I come up with. And it's not – they don't play the same position, but they're probably the best skill position guys in the draft. DK Metcalf or TJ Hawkinson, who would you rather have? Ooh. Gribble. I, I've, I had the weird reaction of everyone being amazed and thinking that DK Metcalf, like, elevated his, st- his stock at the Combine. I had the exact opposite reaction, and I was horrified by his, like, quickness drills and change of direction speed. So I, give, me, give me Hawkinson. I, I, I just – I'm – I don't know if I'm out on Metcalf, but I'm just I 
you can't just run straight lines in the NFL. Yeah. You got to be able to move. I, I would like to disagree for the sake of entertainment, but I, I can't here because I'm in the same camp as him. It's I'm so anti I'm so glad that the Browns are not in position to draft a wide receiver because I think he's gonna be a huge swing and miss. If there's a reason that, you know, for as much hype as he got at the combine, it was the most hype he's gotten, including his college career. If you go back and look at his tape, and even some of the breakdowns that you'll read about him, it's well, he's not he's not a patient route runner. He doesn't run actually like focus on the intermediate parts of his routes he's basically just trying to win a race deep and even when he's made those like he had that big play to open against Alabama it was a matter of I beat this guy off the line and got past him because I'm physically bigger and I'm going to catch it and then outrun you but that's that's not there's a reason there's a route tree and not all of them are nines and you can't do that in the NFL that's why I would agree I think Hawkinson is the much better prospect is there a wide receiver that you would take over DK Metcalf in round one in round one in round one I'd take his with a late round first round pick. I'd take his teammate over him, AJ AJ Brown. I like that guy better. He's produced. There's a track record goes oh, yeah. back to that. Yeah, I mean, maybe the Oklahoma kid Hollywood. Uh, I, I need to know more about his injuries. Yeah, but how, I think not at that high. It's got to be late. It's got to be late. Yeah, I think he's got Hollywood's got some boomer bust potential. Yeah, but if you can get him at his best, I mean, he is the guy that could help your offense the most there was a little bit of momentum for Paris Campbell prior to his pro day he like he tweaked I don't I don't even know what exactly what the injury was and I don't think that's a huge deal but I think it did temper the expectations for him a little bit but he's also projected the highest he's been mocked is late you know late first round of the Ravens I think at 22 so the, the, the receiver talent's just not there in this class it's just and I think people love the big guy who you know could maybe be a Julio Jones or an AJ Green, and maybe they got the measurables, but you have to also look at the skills in between, and I just don't think it it exists in this draft. Nikhil Harry too, throw him in there. Yeah. He could be a potential late first That's round guy. Yeah. I'd, I'd have him over DK Metcalf. <laughs> I, I just I, it's weird. I just I just I just I don't know. I there was I, when I saw those numbers on the quickness change of pace drills, like he's one of the worst in the, in the whole group. That just doesn't add up to me. You can be an athlete. You can be an athletic freak. You could look like a, a Greek god, but if you don't play well and you don't have the track record, there is some hesitancy, I think. On yeah, I, I've, I think there's – and even though they're different players, there's some Laquan Treadwell stink Oof. going on with, with Ole Miss, and I'm just worried that there is – I I can't shake that and, and think that this guy's going to be any different. Although I will say next year, loaded receiver class. Guys like uh, Colorado's LaVisca Chenault ton of players who are coming out who are going to be really good at the position next year. All right, next up, we go defensive back. Byron Murphy or DeAndre Baker? Gribbs. I, uh, I'm, I'm reluctant on both because I just don't think they're – I haven't researched enough with the Browns because I think they'll both be gone by the time sure. we're picking. Uh, I like Byron Murphy. I just think he's a better player. I think there's a there's, – Baker had a better career, better final season – but I just think Murphy's kind of – he has those skill sets, traits that you want in a DB. I think they're both going to be good, both late first-rounders, but I'll take Murphy over Baker. This is disappointing because I was hoping he was going to go with Baker Yeah. because I love Murphy. I, I, think I he's, do too. He's another undersized guy a little bit. He looks small, but Denzel Ward kind of looks small, and he had a very good first season when you know when he was on the field, and, and I think he's very similar to him. He's very fluid and natural in the way he covers, and he's a playmaker. He's a ball hawk. He had an excellent Pac-12 title game, and – you know, for as good as Washington has recruited in the last few years, I think this guy might be the la- the the best to come out 
of Washington. I mean, you think about Vita Vea, uh, you know, he, he had kind of an up and down first year. He was hurt. John Ross has been a huge disappointment, primarily because of injuries at first and also because he's another burner who probably can't run, you know, can't necessarily run the entire route tree as well. Just run straight. At least effectively. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that 40 time got him drafted in the first round. Good and also, him. he had, you know, early some, in the first round. Some yeah. really impressive college tape. <laughs> But you can't just run past guys in the NFL. So I think Byron Murphy could end up being the best player to come out of Washington in the Chris Peterson era. And I think he's flying a little bit under the radar right now, just a little bit. So we'll see. All right, final one here. Drew Locke or Daniel Jones? Can I take option C, neither? What what is with both of them (laughs) moving up? Like NFL Network live at, at Duke's Pro Day. Oh, yeah. And raving about this kid, and oh, I'm going. Yeah. I'm watching the pro day, and you're throwing against nobody, and you're not looking great. And listening to well, them go, "Well, he was awesome. He was spectacular." I'm like, I'm not seeing it. I don't see this at all. This is a project. Josh Allen didn't look great at his pro day either, except for throwing deep, and he ended up going to the top ten. So, you know, it it boggles the mind sometimes because some of these things you're you're looking at him, you're going, "How how is this guy?" How are they looking at him as a first-round prospect? Or how is this guy potentially, you know, so talented or whatever? Daniel Jones is the best quarterback in Duke history. But, yeah, there's not that much that excites me about him. And it's another case, I think, where I'm glad, in the Browns' case, that they're not in position to draft a quarterback. Exactly. That they have their Going guy. back to the wide receiver yes. combo. Yes, Did you pick one? Uh, I, well, I want, no. to pick, I want to pick neither, but if I had to pick one, I'd pick Drew Locke. But Drew Locke also, Missouri has an influence on this, obviously, but... Drew Locke, I, I feel like I'm in the Blake Bortles, Blaine Gabbert, you know, syndrome Ugh. where it's like this guy did really well in an offense that I wouldn't necessarily say was super conducive to putting up big numbers, but he's accurate and and he's got pocket presence and everything else. But what he looks like to me is just another guy at quarterback in the NFL. It's just a different level, and there's nothing that separates him or makes him really jump off the screen. Solve my hot take here. I'm taking Daniel Jones. And I think it's not even I, – and I, I, I will take that with conviction only be, for this reason. Okay. He's had – Drew Locke has had kind of a coaching mess at Missouri his entire time, capped off with his offensive coordinator being Derek Dooley this past year. David Cutcliffe is one of the most respected quarterback guys in the game. Yep. And I think that he believes that this guy is good because I, I, I don't know if the NFL would be flocking to this pro day without a David Cutcliffe endorsement. So I'm going to trust in him in that this guy has something to him, whereas when I look at Drew Locke, I just don't see it. So, again, I'm glad we're not choosing between these two. But Thank God. I think there's something to the Cutcliffe factor with Daniel Jones where that's why the NFL is believing in this guy, and I think that he'll get picked higher than Drew Locke. Daniel Jones looks to me like because it, because he went to Duke – and you don't consider Duke to be a traditional football power. Duke has been good in football in the last few years, or at least competitive, which is a lot more than they could have said for the last 20 years or so. But because he plays there, it almost gives you the feel of, this is a guy who succeeded at a quote-unquote smaller school, and he did it in a variety of both throwing, and he can also run a little bit. Um, I, I just, like I said, I'm glad that the Browns are not picking between either of these guys because neither of them convinces me that they'll be a guy the guy in the NFL. Those are the buzz that the Giants are going to look at him at 17. I mean, not only 17, but some people have them taking one of those two guys, taking Lockett six. 
Yeah. Well, if they and want Dwayne to blunder Haskins again. falling. Can, can we just talk for a minute? Yeah. What has Dwayne Haskins done to lose ground? Nothing. Exactly. What, the, I can tell what you, is going the, on? My one concern with him when he was playing this past season was with, if you pressure him, he did have some struggles with getting away from it. Now, not escaping the pocket and just running. He's not really a runner. No. But he did at times look a little frazzled or a little rattled in the pocket if you got consistent pressure to him. It happened to him against Penn State a little bit. It happened to him against Purdue. And it throws him out of rhythm, which then kind of hindered their offense. But if you throw that out or you improve that, there's like no other weakness. He's got a great arm. He does overshoot the ball sometimes, but that's what happens when you got a pretty strong arm. I, I mean, he looked the part. I was very impressed by his pro day, and and obviously you're thrown on air, but I, I don't know. I, I I don't know what they I don't just do. don't know what the guy, yeah. what more the guy can do, yeah. and all he's done is fall since. The- yeah, it, <laughs> if one of these guys is drafted before him, it'll be stunning. Stunning. I, I, I but and it, a huge it very mistake. well could happen. Yeah, I mean, it, it- just because it's it's also because team there's not the quarterback needy team out there that's why these guys could all fall although if the giant i man if the giants really do go somewhere well, else at six and then just pray or bank on the that thought joe clad had them yesterday as one of the three teams in the mix for josh rosen yep so if they luck their way into josh rosen with a second round all they have to go maybe is a second round pick that that would that would that would be pretty fortunate for them to get Josh Rosen because I think Rosen's better than any of these quarterbacks in the draft there's only I think two other teams where that would be more of an I can't believe that they're going to trip and fall into this than the Giants and it would be the Chargers and the Patriots I think those are the other two teams in the mix too all right we shall see gentlemen Shook, a pleasure. Hey, thanks as always. Thanks for playing Would You Rather. I'll come up with another terrible game next week. It'll be great. <laughs> Everybody will agree on everything, and uh, we'll uh, have a nice, fun segment. So we look forward to that. Uh, want to thank Eric Edholm. Want to thank Nick Shook for Andrew Gribble. We are back with you next week. Make sure that you download this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. If you missed uh, any of the other episodes uh, from this series, Uh, You can definitely go on to clevelandbrowns.com or, again, wherever you get your podcasts. For Andrew Gribble, I'm Jason Gibbs. This has been the best podcast available.